Bibles, go ahead and open up to Proverbs chapter number 23. Proverbs chapter 23. And as you're turning to Proverbs chapter 23, I want to preach this morning on, on the idea that and the dangers of drinking. Uh, it's come to my attention recently. I, I was not aware of this. Sometimes it's tough to be uh, aware of everything that's going on, but, but there, are, there are certain churches, uh, Christian churches, that really are promoting social drinking. And it is, it is beyond me. It blows my mind how a, a church would advocate drinking alcohol. That just blows my mind. Um, that, that, just, that just doesn't go with the Bible. And uh, we're going to look at that this morning and, uh, and look at the idea there of that because there is a great danger. Now, we're in the Old Testament, in the book of Proverbs, chapter 23, and a lot of people discount the Old Testament because uh, they want to live out, you know, however they want to live. And so they kind of cut off the Old Testament and they only take the New Testament and they just embrace the Old New Testament and nothing to do with the Old Testament. But there is so many good things that are in the Old Testament. And the Bible says that uh, all Scripture is given by God. Uh, listen, the Old Testament is just as inspired as the New Testament is. You know where we're at. We are not under the law of the Old Testament. Thank God for that. Uh, if we were under the law of the Old Testament, by the way, uh, you would all have to bring lambs and we would have had to uh, slit their necks and offer sacrifices and things of that nature. Uh, but we're not under the law of the Old Testament. And we're grateful for that. But there is so much in the Old Testament that is relevant and it, and it, and it parallels and corresponds and goes right along with the New Testament and all the principles that are given. And so the Old Testament is very relevant to us. It's very important to us. And, uh, and so if you have your Bible there in Proverbs chapter number 23 and verse number 29, the Bible says this, Who hath woe? Who hath sorrow? Who hath contentions? Who hath babbling? Who hath wounds without cause? Who hath redness of eyes? Verse 30 gives us the answer to all those questions. They that tarry long at the wine, they go to seek mixed wine. 31, look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth his color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. At the last it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. You ought to underline, if you mark in your Bible, you ought to underline that verse in your Bible. The Bible says in verse 33, Thine eyes shall behold strange women, and thine heart shall utter perverse things. Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea, or as he that lieth upon the top of a mast. They have stricken me, shalt thou say, and I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I felt it not. When, when shall I awake? I will seek it yet 
again. Let's pause right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Father, thank you for the great salvation that we have, God, that you have saved us, changed us, Father, made us new creatures. And uh, God, I, I thank you for the great change that we should have as saved people. And God, that's not to say that we won't struggle with our temptations and struggle with sin, but Father, we certainly are grateful that you saved us. And Father, I pray that you would use me. I pray, Father, that you would speak through me. God, I pray that you would touch hearts as only you can. And Father, we'll be careful to give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done this morning. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. And there's a lot of places that, as I had pointed out, uh, th that are pointing to uh, the fact that, hey, you can't drink and it's okay. Uh, listen, we're going to look in Scripture and we're going to find uh, some, some of the, what the Bible says about that. Uh, but really, modern Christianity says, oh, it's okay to drink. And listen, modern Christianity, if you haven't noticed, uh, here's where God stands on a lot of things. And modern Christianity keeps taking some steps and they're getting further away from God. And they're getting further away from what God teaches in His Word. And, and really, the whole idea is to appeal to the flesh. And, and they think the idea that many churches and many uh, places have is that, well, if we appeal more to the flesh, then more people will come to the church. Wait a minute. Where on earth did God ever tell us to fill and pack his church house? He didn't say that. That's a man's philosophy and man's goal. And listen, I'm just as grateful that we have people in our pews and, and the fuller the place looks or, or, or is, uh, the, the better it feels if, if you understand what I'm saying and the better it looks. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not denying that that is there, but our goal and principle is not to pack out the house. If you wanted to do that, bless God, go rent a, a stadium and have a ball game. That'll pack them out and they'll pay you money to do it too. That's not our goal. Our goal as Christians and the purpose of our church, what is the purpose of our church? Well, first and foremost, evangelize. That's one of the things. Uh, the second thing is educate. Uh, that, that is the purpose of the church, that we would educate people. Jesus said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Uh, but he said, he said, hey, we are to we are to." teach them in Matthew 28, I, first one was Mark 16, but Matthew 28 says to teach them all things Amen. whatsoever I've commanded you. Amen. And you know what that, that means as a church, we have a responsibility to educate people on the word of God. That's our job. And so I want to look this morning on what the Word of God says uh, about the idea of drinking. Before we do, uh, I, I don't usually use these, but, but a Japanese proverb says this. First, the man takes a drink, then the drink takes a drink, then the drink takes a man. An old Japanese proverb. And it's pretty truthful, and uh, I think it falls right in line with Scripture as well. So let me read that one more time so you get it. First the man takes a drink, then the drink takes a drink, because you've already been in impaired and influenced even by the little bit that you have drank. And then in the end, the drink 
takes the man. Good proverb there. Uh, the Bible says here in, in Proverbs chapter 23, as we're looking at this, in verse number uh, 29, the Bible says, Who hath woe, who hath sorrow, who hath contentions, who hath babblings, who hath wounds without cause, who hath redness of eyes? And I want to look at the idea of the agony of alcohol. Uh, this passage really covers all the problems that alcohol causes in a man's life. Alexander McLaren said it this way. He said, this vivid picture of the effects of drunkenness leaves its sinfulness, its wider consequences out of sight and fixes attention on the sorry spectacle which a man makes of himself in body and mind when he puts an enemy into his mouth to steal away his brains. Boy, what, a, what an incredible quote. Let me read that one more time because he's got away with words and he worded it far better than I could of this vivid picture talking about Proverbs of the effects of drunkenness leaves its sinfulness and its wider consequences out of sight and fixes attention on the sorry spectacle which a man makes of himself in body and mind when he puts an enemy into his mouth to steal away his brains. There's a lot of truth to that. And, and listen, we need to understand if we just, if you were just to take the agony and the effects of alcohol on society and on people, boy, that ought to be enough to say, whoa, I, I don't want anything to do with that. There's a danger there. And there's an agony there. Uh, I want you to notice that uh, he starts off, who hath woes, who hath sorrows, who hath contentions. And there's lots of problems that comes about by all of this. And he says in verse 30, they that tarry long at wine, they that go to seek mixed wine. Listen, the first of many agonies is that of poverty. Boy, listen, a lot of people. Uh, live in poverty, many families in poverty because of alcohol. That would fall under who hath woes, who hath sorrows, who hath contentions. Listen, poverty many times is come about because uh, somebody uh, takes all of their money and they live for alcohol and they blow the check, drinking it away. Listen, I worked in a third world country. And I've seen this in poor, impoverished people take place again and again and again on a Friday night. Boy, they would go down. They'd be standing there on the corners in, in Peru. That's the way they would do it. They'd go to the corners and, and they'd just drink alcohol there on the corners. And if you saw a group of men on a corner in, in a Friday evening, boy, you kind of just you know, go the other way. You'd go block out of your way because you just, as a foreigner, we didn't want problems. But I'm just telling you how many a child has gone without because their father has blown stuff or their mother has blown their, their finances, drinking it away. And, and I'm just telling you it causes all kinds of poverty and it causes all kinds of problems. We've got, we've got example after example after example in the Bible. And I'm going to kind of go through some of these and, and just note them down. We don't have time to go through every story and every, uh, every, every passage to look at it, but in Daniel chapter 5, Belshazzar, by the way, who is a king, 
And a very wealthy king at that. And a very established kingdom. And and he's having a a party and they're drinking wine. And and he's brought a whole bunch of people there. And and they're there drinking. And as they're drinking, uh, he decides, hey, you know, let's go get the good cups, the gold cups, the ones that we had stolen from God's tabernacle when we invaded Israel. And and so he goes and gets the the, the golden cups that they had used in the temple and and bring them out and they start serving uh, wine and alcohol in them and as they're doing it listen he kind of makes a mockery of Israel and starts worshiping the gods of gold and this and that and maybe there was a little impaired judgment probably going on there but nonetheless they were mocking God and then what happened well the old saying that we uh, even commonly use today they saw the handwriting on the wall but it was literal because God sent a hand down and wrote on that wall, meeny, meeny, tekel, euphorosin. And basically the meaning of that is, hey, listen, your days are numbered and your time is limited because you've mocked God and taken the things that were God's and used them for a vile purpose and desecrated those things. And listen, the Bible says in Daniel chapter 5 and verse 30, in that night was Belshazzar, the king of Chaldeans, slain. And he lost everything that he had. What am I saying? I'm saying that, listen, did alcohol cause that? I don't know that alcohol caused it, but it certainly was a part of what took place that night. And all I'm saying is that, man, uh, time and time again, you'll see that alcohol is coupled with sin. It's coupled with wickedness. It's coupled with problems. And it causes these problems. And it is certainly uh, involved in all of that. And listen, uh, you could say, we have to pause here for a moment and say this as well, that listen, there are so many mind-altering drugs that cause the same effect as alcohol does. Uh, Boy, we live in a society that is full of drugs and full of alcohol. And I'm just giving you warning from the Word of God that this will cause a poverty that will come. People live for that. Look in verse number 29. We'll go back to verse number 21 in Proverbs. We didn't look at the verse there. It says, For the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty, and drowsiness shall clothe a man with rags. The Bible's very clear. That listen, poverty will come as a result of drunkenness and alcohol. Look at verse number 29 as we see the three areas and three uh, uh, things that, that, that are painful. Uh, we see the poverty that's caused by alcohol. We can see the pain in verse number 29. Who hath woe, who hath sorrows, and who hath contentions? Listen, I, I look at the woe and sorrows as an emotional state. Of Listen, they're, they're saying... Woe means grief, sorrow, misery, and heavy calamity. It's the idea that that somebody is sorrowful. And listen, some people, when they get drunk, boy, they just get sorrowful. And and some people, uh, uh, they say, well, I want to drown my sorrows in alcohol. And you know what? When they wake up, all their sorrows are still there. They haven't gone anywhere. They haven't changed Matter of fact, actually, things have gotten worse because now they don't even have money and, and, and they've, they've blown it all to, to, to cover a couple of hours and, and try and mask all of these things. But, but there's pain involved with it, an emotional state of, of woe and sorrow. 
And listen, uh, as we read down through this passage, uh, a drunkard doesn't even know many times what his actions are. You know, he wakes up the next day and, and, uh, and, and he says, man, why? go and look in the mirror, he's got a black eye. So how did I get a black eye? I don't even remember it. It looks maybe he's got a cut on his arm or his hand and, and he has no clue what has taken place because alcohol has taken over his body and there's an emotional pain of saying, man, I don't know what's going on or, or maybe uh, other things and the family suffers because of the, uh, the problem of alcohol that is there and there's an emotional uh, stain and pain that is there. Not only that, but listen, social standing. It says there, who hath contentions? I was, I was looking at some of this, and, and listen, you know, the majority of domestic violence is associated with alcohol and drugs. You ask any police officer. They know they are in there day in and day out, and, and there are more calls for domestic violence today uh, than there ever have been. And the majority of those uh, are dealing with, uh, with alcohol and drug-related incidences where people are intoxicated, and they don't know what they're doing, and their actions don't line up. And, and basically, listen, there's a social standing that says, man, uh, that's, a, that's a problematic. You know, the police are always there on Friday night, and the lights are there. And, and this and that and it causes all kinds of problems and I'm just telling you there's a social pain that goes along with drinking and not only that but listen there is a physical that goes along with drinking a physical pain it can cause physical problems in your uh, in your life uh, look at what he says the last part of it who hath wounds without a cause who hath redness of eye you can go on about all the other uh, medical conditions and, and, and all the problems that are tied into alcohol. And I'm just saying that there is serious pain that takes place. Another king, 1 Kings chapter number 16, verse number 9, you can jot that down. And Azza is a king of Israel, and, and, uh, and, and he was only a king for a short time. And what was the problem? Well, he basically got drunk. That was the problem. And, and the Bible says in Second King, or First Kings chapter number 16 and verse number 9, And his servant Zimri, captain of, of half his chariots, conspired against him as he, that would be Azza the king, was in Tirsam, that's a city, drinking himself drunk in the house of Arza, steward of his house in Tirsa, that's a city. And Zimri went in and smote him and killed him in the twenty and seventh year of Azza, king of Judah, and reigned in his stead. Man came over and, and, and took over his kingdom. Why? Because he was drunk and could not even protect himself, could not take care of himself. And while he was drunk, a man came in and killed him. And I'm just saying that there are problems and there is physical pain that is associated with the agony of alcohol. We see the poverty that's caused. We see the pain that is caused. But I want you to notice not only that, uh, th there's other things. Look at what he says here in Proverbs chapter 23. Wounds without a cause. Redness of eyes. Listen, we could talk all day about the accidents that are caused by drinking. Drinking and driving. 
and impaired driving and drugs and driving and, and the things that alter people's mind and the decisions they make and how it changes them. And, 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 and listen, I'm just saying it is problematic and it causes pain. The Bible says in verse number 32, at last, at the last, it being alcohol or wine, biteth like a serpent. It stingeth like an adder. Isn't it interesting that the Bible associates alcohol or wine with a serpent? You know what the Bible says about the serpent in, in Genesis chapter number 3? Isn't it interesting, the association? It says in Genesis 3, 1, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And we find that it's being compared to alcohol. Listen, it is subtle when it takes over. Oh, it slithers right in. And listen, you won't even realize the effects of it. And it'll start taking over your body. Remember that old uh, Chinese proverb, the man first takes the first drink and the drink takes the second drink and then the drink takes the man. And that, listen, your first drink will impair you and you'll say, well, you know, that wasn't so bad and it's not really affecting me and I think I can handle another drink. And that's the, the impairment that is taking place and the, the change of what you're thinking and it becomes a problem uh, because listen uh, it's like a serpent it's subtle it slithers in and just like it tempted Eve in the Bible we find it will tempt you today but it will cause you a lot of pain we find that the Bible compares it to a serpent in verse 32 not only that but he compares it to a, uh, the sting like of an adder and an adder is a venomous snake. And listen, I recommend drinking alcohol like I recommend playing with poisonous steaks. Don't do it. Just don't do it. I, I'm not, I, snakes don't bother me. I'm not, the other day we found a, uh, I probably shouldn't even tell you this. You know, you said, man, I'm not going to that church anymore. They got snakes out in the field. Don't walk in the field, okay? Just stay on the pavement and come in. You'll be fine. There's no problem. We had a snake in the workday, and, and, uh, and they, they told you it was just a little gardener snake. And snakes don't bother me as far as that goes. And, and, uh, and, and, and they took it. They wanted to scare one of the other fellows, and I, I think they did. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't see it. But, uh, uh, but then they took it and turned it loose. But I said, don't, don't kill that thing. That's on our side. He's eating the mice around here. I don't want mice around here. He turned it loose out in the field. It was not a venomous snake, all right? It probably, it, what, its mouth wasn't even big enough to actually bite your finger. And if he did bite your finger, it would kind of be like a pinch. I don't even think gardener snakes have teeth that would actually go into a person. But I'm saying snakes really don't, they don't bother me that much. But a poisonous snake? Buddy, I ain't going to go catching that. Uh, matter of fact, uh, I ain't even going to get close enough to lob, it, lob its head off with a shovel. I'll leave that to somebody else. Man, I can get as far away. I, man, if I have a shotgun, you know, that'll be great because then I don't have to get close and just pow, pow, pow and, and be done with that snake. I, I don't mess around with poisonous snakes. I don't like snakes uh, and I, I don't particularly like poisonous snakes. Why? Because listen, they can destroy your life in a matter of seconds and the Bible compares alcohol to snakes and to poisonous snakes. And I'm just telling you, for your own safety, for your own good, you better stay far away from it. Not go near it because it will cause you pain. Amen. 
Oh, preacher, I'm tough. I'm sure the last guy thought he could handle a poisonous snake said that too before he died. Everyone thinks they're the exception. Listen, you better be careful of it. Not only the pain, not only the poverty, notice in verse number 33, the perversity. He says, thine eyes shall behold strange women, and thine heart shall utter perverse things. I don't have to stand before you this morning and tell you illustration after illustration of perversity that takes place with drunkenness. You know what takes place with it. And there is a lot of perversity. There's just two illustrations I'll give in the Bible, and you can go back and read them. In, in Genesis chapter number 9, Noah got drunk. What happened? Perversity followed. You go back and read about Lot. You remember Lot and how the angel pulled him out of, uh, of the city and saved him and rescued him. And, and, and he, he went up and, and his daughters got him drunk and committed incest. Perversity. And perversity follows around drunkenness and alcohol like it's its tail. It goes everywhere with it. And I'm just telling you that there is, there is poverty that comes by alcohol. There is, uh, there is pain that comes by alcohol. There is perversity that comes by alcohol. It's described in the Bible over and over. You see it play out in life and in the news over and over again. And I'm just telling you that uh, the Bible is very clear that it will, it will cause people's hearts to utter things that they should not ever say. Not only that, but I want you to notice the foolishness, uh, the path of foolishness. That it, that it brings with it. In verse number 34, Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea. What is a guy doing laying down in the midst of the sea? A fool would do that. A drunken man who doesn't know any better. Look, it goes on. Verse number uh, 34, the end of it, it says, Or as he that lieth upon the top of a mast. What is a mast? A mast goes in the boat. It goes in the ship. It goes in the sailing. Uh, and it's that big pole that goes all the way up. And then another pole goes out and they attach the sails to it. They didn't have motor boats in Bible times. And, and he's saying, hey, just like somebody that would lay down in the sea and drown themselves like a fool. Uh, just like somebody that would go up to the top of a mast and try and lay down on that long part on a ship that's moving back and forth. Uh, what's he saying? It is a it is a foolish path. Nobody's going to do that. Nobody in their right mind, at least. Maybe a drunkard might try it. Uh, maybe a drunkard might attempt that. And what I'm saying is that, listen, alcohol will affect the person to the fact that they're making foolish decisions in their life because it takes over. Look at what the Bible says Again, we don't have time to turn there, but you mark it down in 1 Kings chapter number 20. What is it with all these kings and alcohol? Uh, you know what it is? I think they get rich and they think, well, I'm good. And man, I can just take in the good life of alcohol. And, and boy, it just destroys them. That's why in Proverbs, he says, it is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings talking about alcohol and, and wine and strong drink and all of that. He's saying, hey, stay away from it. But in 1 Kings chapter number 20, you have a king, Ben-Hadad. 
that he's a Syrian king and they were, uh, they were surrounding the Israelites and they were going to take over the Israelites. And the Bible says this in 1 Kings chapter 20 and verse number 16, and they went out at noon, but Ben-Hadad was drinking himself drunk in the pavilions. He and the kings and the 30 and two kings that helped him. They had 32 kings they brought out to attack Israel. What I'm saying is all the odds were stacked in their favor. They easily could have wiped out Israel. But he was drinking himself drunk, the Bible says. And the young men of the princes of the prophets went out first. And Ben-Hadad sent out and they told him, saying, There are men come out of Samaria. And he said, Whether they be come out for peace or take them alive, or whether they be come out for war, take them alive. Have you ever heard such a foolish utterance from a commanding officer, the king. He said, if they come out with their swords drawn, you take them alive. How exactly do you take a man alive that is, that is, that is set on destroying you? Two armies fighting, and the one army is fighting to kill, and the other far army is only trying to take them alive. What kind of sense does that make? You know why? Because he was drinking himself drunk and he made poor decisions and the Israelites destroyed the Syrians and sent them fleeing that day. Why? Because a drunken commander, a king, issued an ordinance that was a path of foolishness. And I'm just telling you that alcohol will impair your judgment and cause you to make foolish decisions in your life. And it will cause you pain. It will cause you poverty. It will cause you perversity. It will lead you down <clears throat> the path of foolishness. Notice with me in verse number 35, that's all the agony of alcohol. Boy, we... And we probably didn't even hardly scratch the surface, to be 100% honest with you. But I want you to notice the addictiveness of alcohol. The Bible talks about it. Look with me in verse number 35. They have stricken me, shalt thou say, and I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I felt it not. Who's, who's he talking about? He's talking about somebody who's drunk, who does not feel and does not know what is going on. Continue. And they have beaten me, and I felt it not. When shall I awake? Question mark. I will seek it yet again. What's he going to seek? The alcohol. It's going to go right back to it. Why? Because there is an addictiveness in alcohol that causes you to, to your body to become dependent on it or so think so. And so the idea is when, when all the alcohol finally does get out of your system and it's gone, uh, that you say, man, I've got to have more. I cannot function without it. I've known drunks like that. Uh, I'm thinking of a guy in Peru. We ministered a minister. I wanted to see that guy saved. And, and, and that man, he, he, I'm telling you, all the times I saw him, I probably only saw him sober a handful of times. 
couldn't function, or so he thought, without alcohol. And the Bible describes it as an addictive quality that people will go back to it, and it's physically and mentally uh, addicting. And, and listen, the Bible says the same thing in Isaiah 5.11, Woe unto them to rise up early in the morning, that they may follow strong drink and continue until night, till wine inflame them. Listen, They'll follow it. Why? Because, boy, they just, they got to have it. They'll seek it yet again. They'll go after it. There's an addictive quality, and it controls people's lives. That's why we have groups to combat that in America. Listen, the truth of the matter is, the only one that can truly defeat it is Jesus Christ. He's the only answer that will solve a drunkard's problem. Because... There, uh, you can go to program after program after program, and you know what happens? They do good for a while. You know what? They get out of that program. They boy, they fall right back into it. Why? Why is that? Because man, in and of himself, cannot change himself. Jesus Christ is the one that changes people, and He's the one that can change a drunk. We find the addictiveness. <clears throat> Of alcohol. Verse 30, I want you to notice this, the alarm about alcohol. I'm almost done. This will not be long, but the agony of alcohol, the addictiveness of alcohol, and then the alarm of alcohol. Look with me in verse number 30. They that tarry long at the wine, they that go to seek mixed drink. Verse 31, look at what he says. Look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth his color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. Look not upon it, the Bible says. And I'm just telling you, you know how you don't ever become a drunk? Don't take the first drink. Oh, but pastor, I can handle No, you can't. That's the, that's the first lie of that slithering serpent that comes out. Oh, you can handle it. It's okay. It won't affect you. You're not going to end up like everyone else. That's a lie of the devil. That's a lie of the alcohol. As it slithers up to you, you just stay. The Bible says, look not on it. You stay away. I'm not bragging this morning on myself. I'm grateful that I have been kept from alcohol my entire life. I've not tasted a drop of alcohol. I thank God for that. I'm not saying, oh, look at me. No, no, no. I'm saying God has protected me from that. And I'm telling you, listen, young people, we got a fair amount of young people. Listen, young people, you stay away from alcohol. You'll be glad. You hit 30, 40 years old, you'll be glad you never take a drink of it. Oh, your friends might get drunk and your friends might do this and your friends might do that. Can I tell you what? A lot of those guys who messed around with it when they were teenagers, they are all, I don't know. I know a couple of them been in jail. I don't know where the rest of them are, to be honest with you. Stay away from it. 
The easiest way to, to stay away from alcohol, don't get started in the first place. Don't touch a drop. Don't take a drink. Don't social drink. Just stay away from it. The Bible says, look not on it. And listen, you can avoid all of the agony. You can avoid the addictiveness if you just stay away from it in the first place. The Bible advocates in 1 Peter 5 eight: be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walks Walketh about seeking whom he may devour. It was said in the adult Sunday school class that, listen, the devil wants to destroy as many people as he can, and he certainly does, and he's got the majority of them. Listen, if he can impair your judgment and cause you to not think straight, boy, how much of a better chance does he have at destroying your life? Look at all the sin that's associated with alcohol. Being sober, that idea is to be alert and be, listen, not to be affected by alcohol. Somebody who is not drunk is very aware. Uh, they know what's going on. They're alert. They're looking around and they know what, what is taking place around them. Hey, listen, stay away from alcohol. Be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, hey, he wants to destroy you. And if he can use alcohol and drugs as a means of doing it, boy, he'll, he'll do it in a heartbeat. And I'm just saying that don't look at it. Don't start in the first place. The Bible says in Ephesians 5.18, Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Uh, listen, a lot of Christians will take that and say, Oh, see, so we can drink. It's okay to drink, but we shouldn't be drunk. No, no, no. That's not what the point of that verse is at all. That verse is not giving liberty to drinking socially or drinking one or two glasses of wine. That verse is giving an illustration about the effects of alcohol and how it poisons your mind and controls your body and will tell you to do things that you ought not be doing. And he's saying, be not drunk with wine, where is in excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit, that the Holy Spirit of God would control your mind and your actions that your body does. That's what he's trying to illustrate. And he's illustrating how alcohol takes over. Hey, listen, the Holy Spirit ought to take over your life and control you. And listen, God is not going to push you towards sin ever. I don't think any church should ever push somebody towards sin either. We need to stay clean away from it. The Bible says, look not on it. The Bible says you can jot this verse down in Proverbs chapter 20 and verse number 1. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise, the Bible says. It will deceive you. It will destroy you. And listen, it will impair your judgment. Stay away from drugs Stay away from alcohol. Stay away from those things that will alter your mind and cause you to not be sober and not be vigilant and not be alert to what is going on around you because we don't need Christians being pulled off the, 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 the road map of living a good godly Christian life. The effects of alcohol, poverty, pain, perversity, um, all of those things... We don't need those things. The Bible says, look not on it. Listen, we need to be careful 
about alcohol. I'm aware many people have drank before they ever got saved, or maybe in the past they did. And listen, you'd be, it, some people who have drunk have drank alcohol, they really struggle with it. I, I've heard tell uh, of testimony of saved men who said, man, I, I still, I, I walk by, I, I, I'm saved. I haven't touched a drop of alcohol in years, but I'll walk by and, and man, I just, all of a sudden I come to me, man, I want that stuff. And I'm just telling you, for your sake, stay away from it. Don't look at, memorize that verse, wine is a mocker. Remind yourself that it is a poison and that it is, it is subtle like a serpent, but at the end it biteth like an adder and it will destroy your life. Stay away from it because wine, alcohol, mind-altering drugs will destroy your life. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet this morning, there's a great danger in drinking. I, I, for the life of me, I can't understand any church that would push people towards drinking. To me, that is absurd. That's like taking a child and putting them in a pit full of venomous snakes. Saying, have fun, but don't die. What a foolish thing to do. I'm just telling you, based on the Word of God, wine and alcohol will destroy people's lives. Father, I pray that you'd speak to hearts as only you can. God, we need to understand it's a destructive force. It's something that hurts people, breaks marriages apart, destroys families. And God, it's not anything that honors and glorifies you. And Father, I pray that you'd speak to hearts. I pray, Father, that we'd be concerned about those who are drunks and need to be saved. God, we don't want to write people off just because they're sinners. Listen, everyone's a sinner. We need to see them saved. We need to pray for them. We need to encourage them. God, I pray that you'd speak to hearts. God, I pray that our young people would keep themselves from drugs, alcohol that would destroy their lives. I pray that you'd move and work in hearts as only you can. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play, the altar's open. Maybe God's spoken to your heart this morning. Maybe it's something just completely different. Maybe you want to pray for somebody that you know that's getting mixed up in drugs and alcohol. Hey, young people, maybe you got a friend that's getting involved in that. Why don't you pray for him? As the piano plays, the altar's open. Maybe you've got family you want to pray for.
Some people probably say, oh, that preacher doesn't want us to have any fun. Oh, no. No, you look at the agony that it causes. I'm trying to save you from trouble. I want your home to be right. I want your kids to be right. I want your life to be guarded, safe. You can have lots of fun. And you don't even need alcohol to have fun. Maybe you need to be baptized. Maybe you need to join the church. Maybe you need to be saved. Maybe it was not a really an evangelistic service, but maybe you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I, I need to be saved. I don't know the Lord as my own personal Savior. Why don't you come and we'll take the Word of God and show you how you can know for sure that you're saved. At the very least, don't leave here without talking to me or talking to somebody about salvation if that's your need. That is the greatest need of everyone's life.